Amen. Well, good morning. I'm uh, privileged and honored, uh, even though it's a little out of my comfort zone, to talk with you this morning. Um, it's not as easy as John makes it look every week. You know, this Friday, my wife and I decided to donate a large trash bag filled with clothing to the ark. And the reason why we decided to do this is because I have been at a point in my life, um, ever since I gained the baby weight, I don't know if men are allowed to do that, but I did do that. I gained the baby weight from Emerson, and I have had a hard time shedding it all. And uh, I've, ha- I've had a few things in my wardrobe that don't quite fit. And since they don't fit, I've, I've done it a couple times where I'll wear the, the pants unbuttoned, you know, and the belt over that, you know, to kind of like hide it. But it's never comfortable. It's ne- I never feel confident in them. And so I have a certain group of clothing I don't wear anymore. So finally I decided, you know what, I'm tired of saying this year I'm going to lose the weight and get back into those clothes. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to get rid of the clothes. And I'm going to get a new wardrobe in 2020. I didn't tell my wife this. But since I got rid of a trash bag of clothes, I think I should get a trash bag. Not, you know, worth of clothes, I think. Don't you think? Now, I don't think it's admirable that I'm going to do that, because usually you get a new wardrobe because maybe you lost weight. That's a good thing. Um, mine is because I'm too lazy or stubborn or whatever it is to actually lose the weight. So I'm going to get a, a, new, thing, a new wardrobe in 2020, um, maybe not for uh, good, commendable reasons, but I am going to do it. You know, as uh, Christmas just passed, it's still 2019. We're heading into the, a new decade. I don't know if you've realized that. We're heading into the roaring 20s, Right? Coming up, the 20, 2020, we've been talking about this one for a while, and uh, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm surprised even that we're here because it feels like we're just talking about Y2K, that we're all going to be dead by Y2K or whatever it was. Uh, the Mayan calendar in 2012, I believe, was supposed to be the end of the world, but we're still here in 2020 coming up, and I'm, I'm excited, I'm surprised, but you start to see the culture begin to do certain things, New Year's resolutions. The culture as a whole tends to assess their last year. They look at the the highs and the lows, the emotional good and the emotional bad, and they begin to try to cut out the things in their lives that are either harming them or are no good, and and they, they want to make those changes, those resolutions. And you know, for me, if you're like me, and most of us are, that as we make these resolutions, we end up keeping them for about a week. Two weeks? I mean, who's ever kept a, a solid resolution? I mean, have you kept a solid resolution? I mean, don't we always break our resolutions? We always, or most of them, will always break them. So what I decided to do is to set myself up for success. I've decided to come up with a few resolutions that I think I can keep. Well, number one, I'm going to start washing my hands every time after I use the restroom. Every time. Every time. I think I could do I, Well, maybe. We'll see. Maybe I may not use soap every time. If you know me, I'm going to try to watch more Hallmark movies, which actually is pretty tough in our household because Christmas, they're on all the time. We watch a lot of them. Not not so many this year. I'm going to go back to school so that I don't have to pay back my student loans. I want to put them on deferment, and I want to worry about it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Actually, we're almost done with our student loans. One more payment. One more. We're almost done. Um, I want to keep it to myself that I have trouble with authority when I'm interviewing for a new job. Not that I'm interviewing for a new job, but, you know, I, I don't want to tell people I have trouble with authority. These are jokes, actually, in case you didn't notice. I'm going to claim all of my pets as dependents on my taxes. I'm going to switch my username to password and my password to username to throw off hackers. Good idea. Maybe, maybe not now. They'll pick up on that. 
I'm going to watch less TV in standard definition. It's only HD and 4K from now on. I can do that. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Uh, Father God, we thank you. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the ability that we have to put on a new wardrobe in 2020. God, we get to put you on. We get to wear your love. We get to wear your grace, your compassion, and be genuinely different people. God, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you will speak through me this morning. I am just a vessel, and at times a poor and weak vessel, God. I pray that you will uh, use my words, um, coupled with, your, with your, your, your inspiration, your touch, your, your power, to, to, to do some changes in our lives, God, and in myself as well. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've been wrestling with this sermon for about two weeks now because I was trying to get a little bit of a head start. And, and you know what? I think it's been working well for me. Um, some practical steps to, to kind of to put on a new wardrobe in 2020. You know, it's not surprising that people do in our culture, they really get into this New Year's resolution. They're really trying to work out and, and do things. And if you notice a lot of it, it's external stuff. It's better nutrition, a little more exercise. Uh, I want those six packs. I want to get the six pack abs or the ripped uh, pecs or the, or the big arms. You know, if you're a guy, I don't know what it's like if you're a girl, but you know, you want to, you know, slim up or whatever it is, always external. And as we look to the, the people who are the proponents of these, of this external image that we're desiring, I look at them and I go, you know, these guys are, are jacked or these guys are ripped and they look great and they look amazing. They have so much discipline. But I've noticed, and I'm not necessarily saying this is with everybody, but I've noticed that it seems like a lot of those guys, maybe a lot of those girls who look really good, it's a lot external. The internal seems to be lacking. The character seems to be lacking. The integrity seems to be lacking. It's a lot of vanity, and it's very shallow. They may look good on the outside, but the inside is not looking so great. And I think we as Christians need to be really trying to work on the character. We should care about the external, but really it's the character that's the most important thing. Um, and as I look at the culture, I, I, I'll see people trying to work on maybe on some character. I want to be a little more kind this year. I want to be a little more generous. I want to do these things. But I don't think that their ability, apart from Christ, they can't really accomplish those, those uh, tasks as easily as we can in Christ. Amen. We have the Holy Spirit that works within us that, that compels us to do good works. They try their hardest in their own strength, and I think they fail sometimes. And I think we need to be working um, to allow, allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. I, I found a quote on Gabe's. I, was, I, I wasn't really Facebook stalking Gabe Hargrave, you know, uh, the guy who was leading worship this morning. I wasn't Facebook stalking him. He came through my feed, okay, came through my feed, and he came across this quote. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. From a man named Leonard Ravenhill. And he says, The greatest miracle that God can do today is to make an unholy man out of an unholy world and make that man holy and put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. That is a powerful thing. That's a powerful statement because we, with Christ and the Holy Spirit, he's able to do the miraculous of actually changing us completely from the inside so that we are able to um, honor him and to glorify him and keep those resolutions. We're going to be in the book of Colossians today, chapter 3. But before we get there, earlier in chapter, chapters 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul kind of lays out some great New Year's resolutions. Not necessarily to get 
ripped or to get, you know, to increase our, uh, our strength or, or, or lose some body fat or, or increase our exercise regimen. But things like, you should be filled with the knowledge of his will, chapter 1. You should continue in Christ. Live a life that is worthy of the Lord and praise him in every way. Bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, being strengthened, having endurance and patience. Being joyfully thankful. These are great resolutions. We need to continue in Christ. Paul even talks about his personal resolution is in verse chap- chapter 1, verse 28, to present everyone perfect in Christ. We have the ability to set realistic goals because we have a Holy, the Holy Spirit that can back us and encourage us. Chapter 1 talks about that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of light. That's a big amen there. Chapter 2, verse 6 says that we have received Christ. Let's continue to live in him, rooted up and built in him, strengthened in faith, overflowing in thankfulness. We get to remove the old clothing of sin and put on a new wardrobe of kindness and compassion and love and mercy and patience and endurance and and a steadfastness. We get to legitimately do that but sometimes it's hard for us to do i get to get a new wardrobe and not just something that fits this 44 year old baby body you know i get to get a new wardrobe one of compassion and grace and love one that matches christ let's go ahead and open our bibles if you have it or they'll be on the screen to colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and i'm going to read for a little bit this morning and uh there's part of me there's a youth pastor in me that says don't read too much scripture because they might lose their, their intention. But the reality is this is more, way more important than anything I'll ever say. So I would say focus mostly on what I say here and not necessarily what I say here. So let's go ahead and read Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, In the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive what other grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, All these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body 
you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We need to remove the old wardrobe and be put, put something new on us. Verse 5 talks about the desire that we should have or the command that we have to put to death or to mortify sin. Right? When you think about mortify, you think about the idea of if I'm a mortal man, if I'm going to deliver a mortal wound, that's going to be a death wound. That's going to kill whoever I, whoever I deliver that mortal wound to. And that's the way we need to look at sin. We need to put to death immorality. We need to put to death impurity and lust. We need to put to death evil desires and illicit cravings and greed. These things are all idolatry. And what idolatry is, is where you seek satisfaction maybe in something that's temporal and not eternal. Well, how do we do this? How do we put to death these things? And I want to propose that it's not as hard as sometimes I think we, as we make it. You know, I think we kind of complicate it a little bit, especially since there's all power has been given to us through Christ and his Holy Spirit. But there is a struggle, a realistic struggle that we do have. And I, I do have it too. But I think what we need to remember is that it's done. Our, 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 sinful, our sinful nature is done. It's, it's destroyed. It's died. We need to know it. We need to count it true. And we need to act accordingly. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. There's a little bit of a chunk here too as well. Yeah, I'm going to read it up here to try that. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, he will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Let's say that again. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. It's done. The sin nature is dead. Act accordingly, count it true, and know it. It's not as hard as we make it. So how do we put to death sin? You know, uh, when I was a kid growing up, I used to play a video game. I don't know if they still have arcade games here. You know, do you guys, anyone play arcade games, like the stand-up arcade games? You back there, Eli, you play that? You play it back there, little stand-up games? They're different now because you don't put quarters in. 
Now you got, there's like game, they charge it on a card or something. It's really weird. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? And they're way expensive, by the way. When I was a kid, I used to play uh, Street Fighter a lot. I don't know if you've, anyone played Street Fighter as a kid? Yes, yes, back there, yes. So basically what Street Fighter was, is was it, it was a stand-up game. You put a quarter in, and you'd play, and you'd fight another opponent. And you had a whole bunch of different characters to choose from. And you'd probably just, you'd pick a character you liked because you liked the move or a combo that he would do or she would do. And basically, you know, you don't just punch and kick. You don't just punch and kick. What you do is certain players, I, I like Ryu. I don't know if you know who Ryu was, but uh, yes, there you go. <laughs> Chris, is, Chris is agreeing back there. Ryu used to do something. If, you, if you're playing with a controller, if you take the controller, you go back and around and you hit a certain combo. And this is all while they're attacking you, by the way, so it's hard to do. But if you were to do that, you could throw a cool, like, fireball, you know, and you would shoot this fireball at the opponent, it would knock him, you know, down, and you go beat him up a little bit more, right, or you could do these cool little jump moves or, or whatever, every character had a different move, but you had to know what the move was, you had to learn it and get it right, even in the midst of the battle, well, that was a fun game, it was probably my favorite game, but there's another game like it, a little different, a little bit more graphic, a little more violent, it was Mortal Kombat, you heard of Mortal Kombat? So Mortal Kombat was the same, same style of game, but the, the purpose wasn't to beat the opponent. The, person, the purpose was to kill the opponent. And there, the, it's kind of it a graphic game, and I, I hate to admit I used to love playing it. I wasn't as good at it, so it, it bothered me. But there was a, you would you could do these different crazy elaborate death moves based on whatever the thing is, the combo that you would punch in there. And, and, and basically, there'd be a point of the, the match where you're winning, and eventually you get to the point where it was time to terminate the, the opponent, and he would just be in a daze, and it would tell you, finish him. And then you'd get your, you know, you'd be ready, and you're doing all your combo moves, whatever it is, and you're hoping for something amazing, and I usually had no idea what I was doing, so I was just like hitting stuff, hitting buttons all over the place, and jiggling the, the controller, and usually what I would do is walk up to him like this and go, and then you just fall down and die, and you'd win. But it was really boring. You want to get something cool and gross, right? That was the point of Mortal Kombat. And I think what we need is, and we don't really need it, but we need a, a three-button simple combo move to defeat the sin in our lives. Just a simple three-button move. Even though technically we don't need it, I think it's good to, to know maybe a three-button move. And this is the, the one to defeat sin, to kill sin once and for all in our mindset, is we need to revisit our funeral. Revisit your funeral. In verse 3, it says that you died and are now hidden with Christ. Now, that's kind of a weird statement because we're not technically dead, right? We're still alive. But our sin nature has died. It's almost like going to, to, to my funeral and, and I see I have died to sin. I've seen my, I see myself lying in a casket. And here's Johnny. Here lies Johnny. He used to love sin. He used to get angry. He used to get frustrated. Uh, he struggled with lust. He did all these things. He, he coveted things. He, he, had a, he was materialistic. You know, this is what he was. But he's dead now. He's dead. It doesn't make sense for him to go back to that life. He's dead. It's like the, the mentality of, of Weekend at Bernie's. I guess I'm using a lot of pop culture stuff, but that's old stuff. Um, I'm sure some of you know Weekend at Bernie's, right? It was the movie where Bernie dies, and for some reason they're trying to mimic that he's still alive. Um, I don't know if it was, I can't remember what it was for, but anyways, they would, two guys would be walking and, and he'd have Bernie like draped on his arms and had glasses on him and they'd act like he was alive, like he's drinking and eating and he's playing volleyball or whatever. But it, basically, to Bernie, cheeseburgers didn't matter. Volleyball doesn't matter. Socially interacting doesn't matter because he's dead to that world. He's dead to that world. And that's the way I think we need to be when it comes to sin. 
We need to not even have, hopefully this shouldn't have an appeal to us. It does, though. That's the problem. It does have an appeal to us. I, I, I like in this analogy, or this, this remembering your funeral type thing, to the idea of, of gluten, actually. Weird. My mind's weird. I don't know if you figured that out yet. Gluten and celiac disease. Because if I, if I look at sin, I, I look at sin, I go, sin is something that was killing me, and I was dying from it. And it's almost like gluten to someone with celiac disease. Now, for people who are gluten intolerant, you see that a lot, and I think I have a little bit of a gluten intolerance myself. You know, I'll get bloated, uncomfortable, but I won't die from gluten. People with celiac disease will die from gluten because what, what, what people with celiac disease, their body tells them, their brain tells them, there's something wrong here. What we're going to do, and I don't know why it does this, but it doesn't attack the gluten. It attacks the villi in their intestine, right? The villi are the things that move the food along. The, the villi are the things that, that reach up and absorb nutrients, so that your body, because you can receive benefit from your, from your food. And it destroys those over time and attacks those over time. So at some point, you become malnutritious, malnutrition, and you die. So that's kind of, kind of what it does. And that's kind of what it is. To, to, sin is like gluten to the, to the celiac. It's constantly being, um, it bombards them, and it's going to kill them. It will literally kill them. And I'm sure the, the person with celiac loves bread. And bread with butter, right? They love pasta with cheese or whatever. They love pizza and the crust and all that kind of stuff. They don't think that there are people that are like, oh, I love cauliflower crust. It's all good. You know, that's my preference. I'd rather have gluten-free bread than regular French bread, you know? They love gluten, but they've realized that gluten is going to kill them. And I think they get to see, in a weird way, they, maybe they're thankful because they, they reject gluten and they embrace the better things of life. Fruits and vegetables or things that are more pure, not refined. They, they, they eat a better diet. Because they're eating a better diet, they're feeling better. Right? <laughs> you feel better when you, when you eat better. And they, they've almost been forced to reject gluten and, and embrace the better thing. And I think that's kind of how we are with sin. Sin kills us. It destroys us. It destroys families. And there is a desire, let's just be honest, there is a desire for sin like there is a desire for bread and butter. We desire the benefits of sin. We desire whatever that is, that moment of sin, not the benefits of sin. We desire that sin for the moment because the benefits are terrible, actually. But we desire the sin. But what we need to do is we need to reject the sin and and embrace Christ and, and receive what he has. We need to remember our funeral. We're dead to sin. We need to put to death that immorality, that fornication, the impurity, or, or that wider perversion that may be in us, that lust or that uncontrollable passion, evil desires or cravings and greed, coveting, which is all idolatry. We used to, verse 7, do these things, but now we get to get rid of anger. We get to get rid of rage and malice and slander and filthy language. And deceit. We get to get rid of that stuff now. We have the option to do that. People who don't have Christ in their lives, they can modify that behavior. They can modify their anger. They can modify whatever that deceit or that covetous heart or that greed or the lust. They can modify it a little bit, but they can never get rid of it. For us as believers, that stuff's dead to us. We go back and we pick it up and we, and we put it on us, but it's dead to us. And we could just as easily take it off. And put on forgiveness and love and hope and mercy and grace 
and generosity. If we could do those things genuinely, we need to remember our funeral. And point number two is we need to put our, the button combo is we need to remember that we have new life in Christ. Verse one says that we are raised in Christ. Now this is significant because of what I was just talking about. Because you are raised in Christ, you are dead to something but alive to something else. And because you're alive to something else, you're able, and it's more even natural, to live that way, to do those things. You have the ability to do good. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things. In verse 2, it says, Set your hearts and your minds on things above where Christ is seated, and not on earthly things. And I think this is one of the hardest parts for us. We need to be set, setting our mind, we need to be seeking and striving with everything that we are for this unseen eternal thing. Not this seen temporal thing. That's the biggest, I think, the biggest struggle because what we're very tangible creatures. This is what I know, this is what I see with my own eyes. You're telling me I'm supposed to reject what is seen, what is known, and put all of my hopes, all of my desires, all of my passion, all of my eggs in this basket? That's the hardest part, I think, for us. Because when I look at that and I ask my question, why do I, as a, as a believer, if I'm dead to sin, why do I constantly put on the clothing of sin? Why do I do that? It's because it's there, I think. And I don't honestly know the answers. I think I have a couple ideas of why I think. One is that it is seen. The other is I think there's an immediate gratification with this stuff. I feel good in this very moment. Even though it's killing me, it's like a piece of bread with butter. It's like, oh, I don't care. It's so good. I don't care. You know, it's like if you broke your diet, it's like pizza's so good. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'll eat the whole thing. And it feels so good in this moment. And then like an hour later, you're like, oh, what did I do? What, why am I doing? Oh, I got to go back on the diet, right? It's so good. It's so, it is. It is good. Sin tastes good. But it destroys us. It kills us. It ruins us over time. It ruins families, relationships. Sometimes this is easier. You know, anger. So much more natural, isn't it? So much more natural. It's so easy just to be like, you know what? This jerk did this. I'm going to put this anger jacket on. Just be like, you know, I know that guy. That guy ticks me off. It feels good. You feel, I don't know if you notice that whenever you, if you're like me, sometimes I can get angry. This is one coat I'll put on a lot. It's the, the wardrobe of anger. And sometimes it feels good. It feels like I don't care anymore. I, I, one of my biggest things, I'm a peacemaker. That's kind of how I am. Uh, I'm, I, I value peace and harmony a lot. And I think it wears on me after a while. I'm like, come on, people. Stop arguing, you know. Stop making a big deal out of everything. Stop making it so dramatic. And in that moment, I started to get angry. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it too, you know? But the reality is, is that's not the way we should be doing. But it is easier sometimes. We need to remember that we are dead and are hidden with Christ and that we will appear with glory in him. All unseen things. All of our hope, all of our encouragement, all of our freedom, all of our passion is to be found in things that are unseen. Things that are eternal. And we need to set our minds and our hearts earnestly upon them. We need to be renewing our, our minds in knowledge, verse 10. We need to be constantly be filling ourselves with knowledge because we tend to go and tend to divert to this, don't we? We tend to, to go to the sin wardrobe. We need to constantly be renewing and renewing and renewing because hopefully over time what will happen is, no, we're good. I'm just going to go straight here. Maybe less of this, more of this. But we do. We do go back and forth. The third button and our three-button simple combo 
to kill sin, at least in our minds at least, is to remember verse 12, to put on, to put on a new wardrobe. And verse 12 says that since you are loved, I think that's important, since you are loved by God and his son, clothe yourself with compassion or tender sympathy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Clothe yourself with these things. That is what your new wardrobe is look like. So when you're angry, you clothe yourself with patience and understanding and compassion. Why, God, is this person this way? Let me understand. What, what, are, what is going on in their lives? Maybe there's something I don't know about. You know, why do I desire and covet these things or this lifestyle or, or, or to spend this money? Is there something? What is it, God? Help me to have discipline in that, to be generous and want to help others instead of help myself. We, need to, we are able to put on new stuff and stuff that I think the culture really wants in themselves but aren't able to completely do it. But we are able to do it. Our old wardrobe was terrible. Our new wardrobe is great. There's a movie that impacted my life a lot and it wasn't made because it was a great movie. It was a great movie. But it was a movie I was a young boy. I think I was like 12 or 13 and I was scared. I was a sheltered child, and I was scared and timid. And this movie just messed me up. And it isn't a crazy movie. You'll see what I'm talking about in a second. It was called The Karate Kid. I don't know if you've heard of The Karate Kid. And some of you are like, what? That was a crazy movie? I don't like watching people get beat up. That's just my thing. I don't like pe- people being bullied or, or fighting. So as a kid, I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm with my friends at summer camp, and they're like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm like, oh, don't, don't fight. You know, I don't like this. But it really impacted me in a lot of ways. And if you don't know the story of The Karate Kid, Basically, there was a group of kids that were in karate and are taking karate, and they're part of the Cobra Kai, a big uh, a fighting uh, group. And they weren't like the like kids who use karate in a good way. They're kind of like the jerk karate group, whatever. And so they're, they're very talented, but the kind of boys. And this new kid moves in from New Jersey, I believe, to Los Angeles, Reseda, where I'm from, right? And I actually saw the apartments anyways. Side note. So he moves from uh, New Jersey to L.A., and these these kids start to bully him and pick on him, beating him up. And he doesn't know how to defend himself. So he meets this, this Japanese man, Mr. Miyagi, the old, old Japanese guy who knew karate well. And so he kind of took, took it in to help out Daniel LaRusso. And basically he says, come over to my house and I'm going to teach you karate. He says, sure, definitely I'm going to come over. So he comes over and uh, Mr. Miyagi has all these chores basically for him to do. And we know later on that it's going to benefit him, but Daniel doesn't know that. So the first thing he does, he sees a huge backyard with a huge deck and a huge fence and many, many old vintage cars. And he says, here you go. And he gives him a, a thing of wax, and he says, go ahead and wax all these cars. And when you're done waxing the cars, you come back tomorrow. He's confused, so he takes the wax, and he shows him how to do it. He says, you wax it on, and then you wax it off. And you wax it on, and you wax it off. And so he does that, and he's there for hours and hours and hours, and he goes into the night, and he finishes up, and he's, he's tired, and he's sweating, and he comes back the next day. He says, I'm ready, you know, let's do it. What are we going to learn? He says, well, you learned to paint the fence. And so he says, and shows him the fence, and he says, here, take the brush. He says, paint the fence. You know, and he's you're doing that, like, firm. Remember that firm? You know, this is how you do it, strong and hard. He's like, what is going on? Like, who is this guy? Next day he comes, and he's tired, and he's sweating. He still wants to learn karate. He says, now you will sand the floor. So he gets him on the deck, the wood deck, and he's out there, and he's 
sanding the floor. He's like, oh, I'm, you know, by the end of the third day, he's exhausted and he's tired and he's very frustrated because he's been there three days and he's basically just taking care of his backyard. Just cheap child labor, essentially. And so he gets angry and he starts to yell at Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi listens to him and then he starts to attack him. He starts throwing punches at Daniel and Daniel backs up and he starts doing these things without even knowing it. He starts to wax on and wax off and he has to paint the fence and blocking stuff and he's defending himself with these motions he didn't know he was, he was learning. He was learning karate through these motions. Well, they uh, redid the movie with Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son, a few years ago. And they didn't use the same wax on, paint the fence type things. But they had one that was interesting to me. And it was the one where he would take a jacket and he'd tell him to take the jackets. And he'd say, take off the jacket. So he'd take off the jacket and he'd set it down. And he'd say, put on the jacket. And he'd put on the jacket. What's going on? Take off the jacket. And he was he's doing this motion. And in that motion, what he was doing is learning defense moves and stuff like that. And it, for, for the sake of, our, of the sermon this morning, that's an important analogy. Because we need to be taking off the jacket of sin. Take it off. Put on the new one. When you find yourself in sin, take it off. You get to put on the new one. Jacket off jacket on we get to do that you know i think sometimes when you feel the sin coming on because we know when it's there right we know when our heart's getting hard we know when we're starting to walk over to the wardrobe we know when we start to put on that jacket of anger or resentment or lack of faith whatever it is we know it's coming what we need to do is be like those as if you have a spider on your back you ever seen that? I was trying to find a video of a funny uh, situation where, you know, you see a spider crawl on somebody or they play a joke and they just freak out. You ever seen that where they're like hitting things, you know, and they're ripping their j- j- jacket off to get the spider out and they're freaking out. The problem with that is there's always usually profanity. So people are freaked out, you know, and so I can't really show that in church, right? But just picture with me in your mind that motion of get that, th- you know, get it off of me quickly, because I think sometimes we, we go like this. We put it on. We're like, uh, yeah, it's on. But I'm going to keep it on. I'm not going to take it off. I think we should take it off quickly and put on the new coat. We have the ability to do that. Verses 15 and 17 talk about having the peace of Christ. It needs to be ruling in our lives. We need to do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks and letting the word of God or word of Christ dwell within us. If we don't have any unity or peace or love if you're full of anger, if you're full of resentment, if you're, if you're coveting or you're lusting or whatever it is in your heart that you're doing, stop yourself and stand before a mirror and look at what you have on. Because most likely, you're wearing the wardrobe of sin. And this happens to me often. I'll, I'll be in the wardrobe of sin, obviously. We all do it. It's stupid, but we do it. We're dead to it. But just walk over. I never blame God that I'm wearing it. I put it on. He killed it, I put it back on. It's never his fault, I'm angry. It's never his fault, I'm frustrated. Anytime I'm in a situation that's, that or I'm experiencing consequences of sin, which happens, I'm never angry at him. He's the one who said, I already delivered you from that. You don't need to do that anymore. Check a mirror and see where you're at. And don't be discouraged, but be encouraged. Because when we fail, God will help us to change. Don't be discouraged when you do that. We do that all the time. We shouldn't. 
It's bad for us. Don't be discouraged. God is still going to encourage us. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 is a word of encouragement for us. It says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Don't be discouraged. God is still working in you. He has not given up on you and is always providing a way to succeed against sin. You know, Gabe made a, a good point. How many times could Christ have said, I'm done. Too much. This is too much. That's one of my favorite attributes about God. Is his, he's so steadfast. There's nothing I can do for him to say, you know what, I'm done with you. I'm seriously, I'm done. This is, you've done too much. There's nothing I could do. There's no uh, amount where God doesn't continue to pursue me or pursue you. You can't do too much. He's going to love you regardless. He's going to always encourage you. He's always going to build you up. He's going to help you when he sees you in the code of sin. He's going to help you take it off, and, and he's going to put the new ones on top of you. Say, here's how you do it. This is the better way. My prayer is that as we begin to find ourselves in a situation, that we'll do it less and less, that we'll start to see that like the, the celiac, this is, it's, it tastes good, but it hurts me. This is much better. These things are much better. This way is much better. And while it should be easy to remember, sometimes it is hard. But we need to know that it's done. The sin is dead. We need to know it, count it true, and act accordingly. The reality is that we might need a little simple three-button mortal combat to a sin combo. We need to remember our 